Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. April is here, and that means it's time for basketball playoffs. You can use our promo code BLEAVE50, B-L-E-A-V, Five zero to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Then you can use that 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online Sportsbook to place a plus 6,000 bet on my Sacramento Kings to light the beam and win the NBA championship. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole point of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever you want. This show, yesterday's show, the 1,196 episodes prior of the Take It Easy podcast, you can listen to all of them, however and whenever you may be listening. Welcome in, everybody. It's Friday, April 7th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in, however and whenever it is that you may be listening. It's time for the NBA playoffs. So today on the show, we're going to do a stereotypical NBA playoff preview. Do we know any of the matchups in the first round? Only one out of eight. Because we know that the Knicks are going to play the Cavaliers in the 5-4 game. Other than that, we don't know anything about the first round playoff matchups. So today, we're going to look at who in the NBA has gone up and who in the NBA has gone down. Because for those who are not avid listeners of the Take It Easy podcast, or you treat the Take It Easy podcast as it should, as menu items. You're not going to listen to every episode every day. You might not listen to every episode once a week, twice a week. Whenever you stop in, however you listen, we appreciate you stopping in and understand not everyone is going to listen to every episode. So, I am a nerd. I love basketball, And I love sports. I'm also a nerd. And I replace watching hundreds of hours of basketball with looking up data and numbers. It's more efficient. I got the research for today's episode in about 20 minutes. Saved me about 100 hours of watching basketball. And the reason I choose this is, one, I like doing other things other than sports. And two, if you know where to look 
for numbers and data, you will find really helpful information that replaces watching hundreds of hours of basketball. Doesn't mean I'm basketball obsessed. Doesn't mean I've watched close to every Sacramento Kings game. And doesn't mean I haven't watched basically every team in the NBA at least twice this year. It just means I'm not at worldwide WOB threshold of watching basketball or Nick Wright thresholds of watching basketball because I like having a life. I like doing stand-up comedy. I like writing books. One of our debut book is out now, and you can buy it wherever you get books. There's links in the description of this episode talking about Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs. I like doing things other than sports. It's healthier and happy. It makes me a healthier, happier human being to have balance in my life. And so numbers and data are really helpful ways to look at large-scale pictures of the NBA without watching all of the games because nobody can watch all of the games even worldwide wob and nick wright can't watch all of the games although i will articulate they watch enough basketball to give you really insightful analysis and i watch enough basketball to give you insightful analysis data just helps even the gap between those two points so data for individual players that's really helpful player efficiency ratings. That's a data point that's really helpful in understanding since you can't watch everyone who have been the most valuable players in the sport. I mentioned before that 17 of the last 20 NBA MVPs also led the league in efficiency rating. There's a loose correlation between efficiency rating numbers and MVP final rankings. Player efficiency rating is a really good individual statistic. Right now, it's basically a deadlock between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid based on the fact Nikola Jokic has been out for about the past 10 games or so. I suspect Joel Embiid will win the NBA MVP. And if he doesn't finish number one in efficiency rating, he and Jokic will be about three points ahead of whoever the next closest player in the sport will be, whether it's Giannis, whether it's Luka. There's even an outside chance that Jimmy Butler finishes third in efficiency rating this year. Very quietly, Jimmy Butler having an MVP season for an absolutely shit Miami Heat roster and a shit Miami Heat team that, based on the data we're going to talk about today, has a pretty good chance of not even making the playoffs. Even though Miami's currently the seven seed right now, Toronto, Chicago, and Atlanta have not only been better than them for the entire season, they've been better than Miami over the past six weeks since the last time we pulled this data at the All-Star break. So since the All-Star break, not only have all three play-in teams in the East been better than Miami, they've all been better than Miami the entire season. Miami just wins a lot of one-score games. Very lucky team. Jimmy Butler playing very well. Besides the point. Efficiency rating numbers, very good for determining individual performances. And one trend that I have found to be very interesting is that if you take three statistics for Team NBA, if you take three different statistics for team rankings in the NBA, net rating, expected win-loss record, and SRS, you will find a pretty consistent pattern telling you who the best teams in the NBA are ranked 1 to 30. For example, the Houston Rockets, 28th in net rating, 28th in expected win-loss record, 28th in strength of record, which is SRS. 
SRS, for those who don't know, it's a it's a basketball reference statistic and a football reference statistic that says if you played a team that had league average statistics, league average defense, league average offense on a neutral court, what would the point spread be in that game? For the Rockets, they would be 7.8 point underdogs against a team that would had average statistics in every category. They would be 7 point underdogs against a team that was tied for 15th or tied for 16th in every statistic in the NBA. Had a zero net rating, expected win-loss record of 41 and 41, perfect league average opponents. So they're 28th in SRS, 28th in net rating, 28th in expected win-loss record. The way you calculate expected win-loss record, by the way, is like a formula where you like square points scored, uh, and then you divide <laughs> your expected win loss record is very fun. So you you divide win loss. It's fun for nerds like me. Just put it that way. And then net rating is easy. You take your offensive rating and your defensive rating and subtract the two of them. That's the net rating for your season. So for example, the Washington Wizards, a team we talked about yesterday on the podcast with Kristaps Porzingis and Bradley Beal and Kyle Kuzma, twenty third in net rating. 23rd in expected win-loss record, 23rd in strength of record. It's pretty safe to say the Washington Wizards are probably the 23rd best team in the NBA. And this correlates for everyone. I'm not just picking out two examples here. Charlotte Hornets, 27th in net rating, 27th in expected win-loss record, 27th in strength of record. Indiana Pacers, 25th in net rating, 25th in expected win-loss record, 25th in strength of record, SRS. Those three statistics are the statistics that best correlate with who the best teams or worst teams in the NBA are. And it's really interesting to go back from February 20th during the All-Star game when we pulled data the first time on these teams and their net net rankings, their SRS, and their expected win-loss records, and to now compare them against the end of the season. Because the trade deadline was about two weeks before we pulled these statistics, and for a lot of teams, they hadn't played their first games with their new teams or had just started playing with their new teams. So it's interesting to see, post-trade deadline, which teams have gone up, which teams have gone down, and which teams are kind of in the middle. And you can probably guess what some of the answers are. If you've been watching NBA, you know... The Lakers have been pretty good recently. The Utah Jazz have fallen off a cliff. The Dallas Mavericks have fallen post-deadline. Like, it's not shocking for some of these results. Although I'm interested in the grand ski- the macro of the season and then comparing them to post-All-Star break numbers for each of these teams. Because over the, m- the macro for an entire season, you find an interesting trend that has gone on. So we'll get to that in a little bit. First, Let's just go through the rankings. Uh, Again, there's a couple of cases where there's going to be ties, and the thing that I call tie is that while I mentioned Indiana's 25-25-25, there are a couple cases where a team might be 12-13-13, and then another team is 13-12-12. Did I do that right? 12-13-13, and then another team is 13-12-12. So for those ones, we can call it a tie, I know it's like three of the data points, they're two different numbers there. It only happens like two or three times in the data pool that there's a one spot difference 
between the two teams. So we'll call those ties. Last time, I think Philadelphia and Memphis, we called a tie. That that tie has been broken over the last six weeks, but we do, there are a couple of ties. So number one, same team that was number one to start the year, and same team that was number one at the All-Star break, Boston Celtics. And by the way, if you pull up the best net ratings in the NBA since March 1st, and remember, we pulled data the first time on February 20th, if you look at net ratings since March 1st, Boston Celtics blow everyone out of the water. Just blow everybody out of the water. Their net rating is an 8.7 over their last 18 games. The next closest team is a full point and a half behind them. And then the next closest team behind that team is a full three points in net rating behind the Celtics. The Phoenix Suns, who are third, have a 5.8 net rating since March 1st. The Celtics have an 8.7. And for reference, for those keeping track at home, the the 17th ranked team in the sport has a zero net rating. So Boston is way ahead of the pack at number one from preseason to February 20th to now and the last eight weeks of the season they have been the best team in the NBA by a pretty good amount it's not like the gap has shortened between Boston and everyone else the gap has widened between Boston and everyone else at number one number two remains the same team it was earlier in the year Cleveland although Cleveland has not maintained as strong a hold on number two as they had before number three Philadelphia they moved up from a tie for fifth to now being number three. And then Milwaukee, number four. Milwaukee was six at the All-Star break, but they were also the hottest team in the sport. They, they had a 19-game win streak in there. Milwaukee, since March 1st, has been back to their usual ways, which is sixth. But they jumped from six up to four in best team in the league since the start of the year. Since All-Star break, they've been about a top-five team in the sport. They have Giannis. All of us believe in Giannis and the power of the Milwaukee Bucks. So the top four teams, Boston, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, are all in the Eastern Conference, all set to play each other in the in the second round of the playoffs because without Julius Randle, the New York Knicks are probably going to get bounced in five or six against the Cavaliers. So you've got Boston, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, four best teams in the NBA all playing in the same conference. Now we get to the West, because when we pulled this data back on February 20th, the episode we did it in was titled, 
why evidence says the Denver Nuggets are the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah, that's no longer the case. And I put on the record that not only would Denver win the Western Conference, Denver would not face an elimination game the entire postseason until they got to the finals where they would lose to whoever made it out of the East. Well, I'm not going to retract that because it's better to stick with what you had instead of being wrong twice. Not confident at all in that. The evidence does not support that decision to say that the Denver Nuggets are far and away the best team in the Western Conference and will win by going like 12 and 2 or 12 and 3 through the Western Conference. Uh, evidence does not support this in favor of the Denver Nuggets. Is part of this because Jokic hasn't been playing? Yeah, for sure. But another part of it is they just haven't really been that good recently. Since March 1st, the Denver Nuggets have a negative net rating. They have a negative net rating. Here are some teams that have a better net rating than the Denver Nuggets since March 1st. The Orlando Magic... The Atlanta Hawks, the Golden State Warriors, the LA Clippers, the Toronto Raptors have a significantly better net rating than the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, it's not been good. It's not been good for Denver at all. In fact, I'm looking through the numbers here. Among top 10 teams, Denver is the team that has fallen the most. Since our February 20th podcast that says why evidence says the Denver Nuggets are the best team in the Western Conference and can legitimately win a chance. Oh, sorry. Why they are the best team in the NBA. And uh, that is uh, very much not the case. That is very, very, very much not the case. Now, I'm still going to stick with the prediction that I had before. Why? Because predictions don't matter. And I've learned time and time again, stick with your intuition Stick with your prediction. Don't change halfway through. We haven't even gotten to the playoffs yet. I just feel basically no confidence anymore in my prediction for the Denver Nuggets to not only win the Western Conference, but win the Western Conference without facing an elimination game. Uh, It's been really bad for Denver. And again, part of it is Jokic getting injured and, and what he does to make that offense work. But even with Jokic there, they have been... A league average team lost some pretty embarrassing games, even with Jokic playing. Uh, Joel Embiid balled up on Jokic when they played each other a, a few weeks ago. It's the thing that a lot of people are holding up for Embiid winning MVP, and I think rightfully so. There's a, there's now a statistical case for Joel Embiid to win MVP when before Jokic was having one of the 10 best seasons in NBA history. And now those numbers have evened out. He's still having a better season than his MVP of 2021. Not better than last year's season, but a better season than his 2021 MVP. It's just this year there is an adversary that has met him halfway, and that is Joel Embiid putting up incredible numbers for the Philadelphia 76ers and at times surpassing Jokic in efficiency rating. I know Jokic isn't going to play the rest of the season, so the efficiency rating numbers are kind of locked in where they are. 
for him at least. I mean, Yo, Yo, uh, for for those keeping track at home, so Jokic has a 31.79 efficiency rating, and Bede has a 31.65 efficiency rating. The next closest is Giannis at 29.12. Then you have Luca, Anthony Davis, and Jimmy Butler within a couple points of Giannis. And then you you have a little bit of a drop-off. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, LeBron, Kawhi. Then you get Tatum and, and uh, Domatis Sabonis. Funny enough, Tyrese Halliburton and Domatis Sabonis basically have the same efficiency rating, which kind of says that like right now both players are playing at exactly the same level of value, which is kind of wild to think about when we go back to that Tyrese Halliburton trade. For Demonis Sabonis, that's besides the point. The bigger point is, yeah, Denver ain't that good. Denver ain't been that good. I the interesting thing is, so back to the the uh, expected win loss net rating and uh, SRS combined statistic to create a perfect power ranking for the season. Memphis and Denver are five and six. They're really close to each other. Specifically in SRS, they're less than half a point apart from each other. It's interesting that Memphis has subtracted John Morant and remained in the exact same place they were. Memphis has, they were tied for fifth, now they have solo fifth place. So Memphis hasn't moved at all since the All-Star break. They are still what I would classify as a second round exit, who just might make it to the conference finals because the Western Conference is, as we've outlined, the weaker conference by a good amount. They are what I would classify as a second round exit kind of team. But as Denver's fallen to the back of the pack, I mean, there's just no one there to claim the Western Conference at this point. And so Memphis is, I mean, if we were seeding based on these rankings for the whole season, I mean, the most probable outcome would be Memphis 1, Denver 2, Sacramento 3, Phoenix 4. And granted, the actual standings are Denver 1, Memphis 2, Sacramento 3, Phoenix 4. So it's not that different from each other. I think the four best teams throughout the season are the four best teams in the Western Conference standings, and the records reflect that. It's just interesting that Memphis, for the whole season, has played on par with Denver, which is wild to think about given how good Denver was earlier this season. Spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it Moving along, Frank Sinatra just gave you number seven. It's the New York Knicks. They are a clear number five behind the top four in the East. They will have a hobbled Julius Randle and will probably lose to a superior Cleveland team. Number eight, hometown, curse-breaking, Sacramento Kings. They are firmly in that eight spot. Number nine is Phoenix. 
the highest jumper of any top half team because Phoenix went from 12 to 6 in only seven games of Kevin Durant playing for them. They are 7-0 and in those seven Kevin Durant games, which is part of why they have made the largest jump of any team in the top half of the sport. So Phoenix, number nine. Number 10, the New Orleans Pelicans. They have jumped one spot despite Zion not returning. Brandon Ingram's been playing very well. I would like to give him a shout-out. They tried to throw the game away against the Memphis Grizzlies on Wednesday, where they were up six points with 11 seconds to play, and the game went to overtime because they gave up six points in 11 seconds, where the Grizzlies got the ball, hit a three-pointer, New Orleans committed an offensive foul. Grizzlies got the ball, got fouled with two seconds left, made a free throw, did the intentional miss, grabbed their own rebound, got fouled with .4 to go, hit two free throws, went to overtime. Pelicans still ended up winning. They have no Zion. They have no Jose Alvarado. All-star game hero, Jose Alvarado. But New Orleans has gotten better in the time since. And with tiebreakers right now, they would be playing in the play-in because they are behind the Warriors and the Clippers by one game, despite the fact that they have been better than the Warriors and Clippers, according to our PERSR, or sorry, our win-loss record, strength of record, and net rating statistic going back to February 20th. And now, New Orleans has been consistently better than both of those teams all season. They just do not get that bump in the loss column or the win-loss column, which would suggest, based on expected win-loss record and actual record, Pelicans have been one of the unluckiest teams in the league this year. Lose a lot of close games. Those coin toss type of games, the Pelicans have lost a couple of them that will keep them out of the five seed in the West, which, based on performance, New Orleans deserves to be the five seed in the West this year. Number 11, Toronto. They jumped two spots. That's a nice little jump for Toronto, who's going to be playing the... They have to win two play-in games, actually. Toronto's, uh, I believe, the nine seed for the play-in round. So Toronto's got to win two play-in games in order to make the playoff. If they get Miami, Toronto can beat them. They just got to beat the Bulls, who happen to be team number 13 on our list and the biggest jumper in the entire sport. The Bulls went from 22nd at the All-Star break up to 13th. Since March 1st, the Bulls have the 11th best net rating in the NBA. If we go all the way back to February 1st, it looks even better for the Chicago Bulls because the Bulls have put together, since February 1st, the 9th best net rating in all of the NBA. So Chicago, over the last couple months of the season, played like a top 10 team in the NBA. And they got the bump from 22nd all the way up to 13 with their performance. I believe DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are both top five in clutch points, you know, like fourth quarter, last five minutes. I think they're both at the top of the fourth quarter points list in the NBA, which is kind of wild to think about. Just the offensive explosion that the Bulls experience in the fourth quarter. So, yay, Chicago, they made the bump to 13. Brooklyn, 12 which is a slight decrease. They only moved down one spot since the last time we did this ranking. So 
Despite trading Kevin Durant, Brooklyn has still been a good team, which, by the way, was exactly what I said when the trade went down when we talked with Juju Talk Sports. Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, all those guys, that's a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. That team was good enough to make the playoffs, and with the head start that the Kevin Durant-Kyrie Irving tandem gave them, they made the playoffs. They did they, Not just the play-in, they made the playoffs as the sixth seed, which is about where they belong. And this team next year will probably make the playoffs again in the Eastern Conference. There's no teardown, there's no rebuild. Brooklyn is good enough to compete right now. And while they don't have their own draft picks, they'll have Phoenix's draft picks for the next five to 10 years, which they can use to trade the same way they traded their own draft picks to acquire James Harden. It's a winding, wacky road, but Brooklyn still has themselves a playoff caliber team. So then you get into a run of these Western Conference teams all glutted together between 14 and 19, or sorry, 14 and 20. And it's it's the teams you would expect. It's Golden State, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Clippers, Lakers, Minnesota. Those are all the teams currently in the 5 through 10 spot, or sorry, 5 through 11 spots, minus New Orleans, that gluttony of teams all together in the middle are the ones that people think will be the ones to take down those sliding teams at the top like Denver or the teams stagnating like Sacramento who don't have playoff experience because apparently everyone wants to play Sacramento in the first round of the playoffs. But the teams that have moved up, interestingly, Golden State has moved up four spots. The Lakers have moved up five spots. Oklahoma City's fallen five spots since the All-Star break, which I think has to do with Shea Gilgis-Alexander missing time for the first time this season. Like, Shea has been one of the ten best players in the sport this season. There's all the statistical data backs up that he's been one of the ten best NBA players in the sport, and the team is just not good enough around him. The fact that they're even in the 10 seed is a remarkable accomplishment, and by the way, is actually an underachievement, given where the Thunder were in the data back in February and where they still currently reside. Being the 10 seed is actually a little bit of an underachievement for Oklahoma City this season, given the performance of their team and given the performance of their star, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Oklahoma City falling is probably because he was remarkably healthy at the start of the season and then missed a bunch of games in the last month and a half. So Oklahoma City's in that group, but they'll make the play in. Golden State has jumped four spots. Dallas has fallen three spots, which if you thought Dallas had been the worst team in the league over the past few weeks, you would be incorrect. Dallas has not slid as hard as even Denver or Oklahoma City has slid most recently. So Dallas, bad, could be worse. Congrats, Dallas. Clippers, 18, they moved up, uh, or sorry, they moved, no, they stayed exactly the same. The Clippers didn't move in either direction. The Lakers, as we mentioned, jumped five spots, but they were really down bad before the deadline out of the playoffs. I said they weren't going to make the play in, and they have turned this thing around with Anthony Davis being healthy for six weeks in a row. LeBron going in and out with foot injuries, D'Angelo Russell having foot injuries, but D'Angelo Russell being an improvement at the point guard position for them. Lakers have made the bump to that that gluttony in the middle in the Western Conference, and maybe they'll go to the... The most likely scenario is they'll go to the play-in. The Warriors just have to win their last two games, which one of them's against a 
Kings team that's probably going to rest and I think a not good team to end the season. I think it's like the Blazers. So Portland's kind of got that spot. Or sorry, the the Warriors kind of have the sixth seed on lock as long as they don't drop one of these last two games. And if that's the case, there's nothing the Lakers can do to get out of the play-in. But even making the play-in is better than what I thought the Lakers would end up in at the start of the season. And then you got Minnesota at 20. They moved up one spot, but it's not really that significant for Minnesota given everything that has happened to them over the season with Cat being out, now back, not not having as much time together. And we talked about this when they made the move for Gobert. That was about building to 2024. By 2024 was the year they were hoping to compete for a championship or a top two seed in the West, like making a run through the playoffs in 2024. Maybe 2024 will be their best team. It's just this year is going to end with them in the exact same position that they were last year, which I think has part to do with Carl Anthony Towns being hurt for 54 games during the season. And then Utah, they've plummeted. They fell six spots. Uh, the largest fall in the entire league has been the Utah Jazz. And that's just because Larry Markinen's been out for 10 games or so. And without Larry Markkinen, that and by the way, at the deadline, they traded three players for a first-round pick. Uh, it was Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, and uh, not Torian Prince like our song, but uh, Jared Vanderbilt got traded. You know what? I mentioned the song. Uh, that's kind of the, the wrap-up of the gluttony in the West. It's interesting to think about how they'll all match up, and we'll talk more about the play-in next week between that gluttony of... Golden State, Oklahoma City, Dallas Clippers, Lakers, Minnesota, and then Utah's in that group, but Utah's fallen off at this point. It's interesting to think about how that gluttony will play out, but I mentioned the song, so let's play our uh, our Minnesota Timberwolves parody song. It's the man by the killers, but it's the Ant-Man. Antler jaw score, the ball slipped out his hand. Cat and them boys, they won't give a damn. They cheer playing games, like they just won the crown. Nothing can bring, can bring Minnesota down. The Ant-Man drives down. D-D-Low's gotta kick, D-Low's gotta kick it out. The Ant-Man's 21. And no, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. Twelve years in the tank. Bed flops like a plank. We got news for you, baby. And Edwards is the man. Two years in the game. And he's a household name. We got news for you, baby. And Edwards is the man. When it comes to Wiggins, they never learned. And then Jimmy Butler left all the kids burned. The only way they get talent is the top of the draft. Torian Prince and Malik Bees Lee, the Ant Man's 21. No, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. 12 years in the tank. Bev flops like a plank. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Cat's shot, make it rain. GM's affairs in the way. 
Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man. Twelve years in the tank Bev flops like a plank Got news for you baby and Edwards is the man Fifteen years away From headed to the Hall of Fame Got news for you baby And Edwards is the man So, with the rest of our board, we've got the Atlanta Hawks at 16. They've been a riser recently, and they're actually, for the season, ranked higher than the Miami Heat. They were below the Miami Heat on February 20th. They're now above the Miami Heat. The reason I put the Hawks and Heat together is because they'll be playing for the 7 seed in the first play-in matchup on either Tuesday or Wednesday. So that'll be really interesting to watch play out. You've got the Minnesota, uh, sorry, the, the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks going in a positive direction, Heat going in a negative direction. Who's going to win? I bet you the Hawks will be favored against the Miami Heat, even on the road, which will make it even inter- more interesting. The better team going on the road for a one-game play-in for the seven seed, Hawks-Heat might be the best of the play-in matchups. Then you've got, after that, uh, Washington, who we talked about yesterday, Orlando, and then the six tanking teams after that, Orlando, Indiana, Portland, Charlotte, Houston, Detroit, and San Antonio, rounding out the list. And the reason I, at, at the beginning, I said there's some interesting macro-level trends on this board, and what's interesting at the end of all of this is the standings pretty closely correlated to who the best teams were this year. Granted, Cleveland is not going to get to be the top seed, but Cleveland is really the only outlier that gets messed up in this standings. And New Orleans gets to be unlucky at the end. Like, Cleveland and New Orleans are the two people who are like, ah, how could you say that we are right there? But in reality... The standings pretty closely correlated to who the best teams were. I mentioned the Western Conference one earlier. Until a couple weeks ago, the top four teams in the NBA based on efficiency, uh, based on win, expected win-loss, strength of record, and net ranking was, in order, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix. Then the Pelicans would have been five. But if we expand it beyond that, you have Golden State 6, Oklahoma City 7, which, tough break for Oklahoma City that they aren't number 7 at this time, but basically in a deadlock tie, 7 through 10 are Oklahoma City, Dallas, the Clippers, the, or sorry, in a deadlock, 7 through 11 are Oklahoma City, Dallas, Clippers, Lakers, Minnesota. And if you flip the Clippers and the Pelicans, which if the Clippers had lost one game earlier in the season, 
they would be the eight seed right now because they lose a tiebreaker against the Pelicans. So if the Clippers had flipped one loss, or sorry, one win into a loss, it would be exactly that ranking where a gluttony, there's four clear-cut teams in the Western Conference, the Pelicans who kind of get screwed because of a couple win, they've just been unlucky in one-score games. So outside of the Pelicans, it's the top four teams, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, then the Warriors, then a gluttony of Western Conference teams, OKC, Dallas, Clippers, Lakers, Minnesota, fighting in the play-in. And tough break New Orleans that you have to go to the play-in. If Zion had been healthy, you would have been clear-cut as a top-five team in the sport. Or sorry, top-five team in the West. But if not for Zion's injury, the West plays out exactly that way. And then you go to the Eastern Conference, it goes Boston. If you take Cleveland, the top four teams are Boston, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. The best teams in the East by record are Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Cleveland. And by the way, all those teams aren't that far apart in the rankings, or in the standings, not the rankings. The rankings we just gave, but the standings, they aren't all that far apart. If I'm double-checking right now, Bucks 58 wins, Celtics 55, 76ers 52, Cavs 50. I mean, the Bucks and the Cavs are far apart, granted, but the teams all are the best records in the Western Conference. Denver was in that group. They've fallen to the pack to the point now where the Cavaliers have a chance to win more games than the Denver Nuggets. Nuggets are currently sitting at 52. The Cavs are sitting at 50. There's still a ballpark chance that the Cavaliers can win as many games as the Denver Nuggets, the best team in the Western Conference. So it's really interesting that the standings bore that out. Then if you go further, it's Nets at 6. Raptors 7, which I know right now the Raptors are 9 in the standings, but by the time the play-in rolls around, the Raptors could be the 8 seed. Then after that, you've got Chicago, who also could be the 8 seed. And the one team that doesn't break the trend is Miami, because Miami has won a lot of one-score games by mucking it up, drawing fouls, shooting free throws, and Jimmy Butler putting his body on the line to win games. So the one team that has been an outlier in the East is the Miami Heat. And the one team that has that can complain that they have they are not fairly seeded based on performance is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And in the West, it's the Pelicans. But if the Pelicans flip one Clippers win to a loss, it's basically the same stand. Like the the best teams in the league are seeded properly for a playoffs in which nine of the I mean, if Luca makes it, the ten best teams in the the ten best players in the NBA will all be playing on different teams in a gluttony of a gluttony of Western Conference teams, none of whom are better than the top four teams in the East. So the East is going to be a juggernaut to make it to the championship with the top four teams all being the four best in the league. Meanwhile, the West is a gluttony of teams, four who are clearly better than the rest. I mean, Denver, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, and Phoenix all season long have been clearly better than the rest. And at the same time, a gluttony of teams in which nobody believes in Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, or Phoenix for various reasons. They don't believe in those teams compared to the proven commodities, I put in air quotes, of Steph, LeBron, and Kawhi, all of whom are kind of old now. I mean, Kawhi's knees are shot. He's a little younger, but I mean, 
Steph and LeBron have kind of done the last dance thing a couple times now. I will say this part too, like whoever ends up being the six for Sacramento, like if the Warriors play Sacramento, Sacramento's favored in that series. Like no ifs, no ands, no buts. I don't care about playoff experience. Like Sacramento is a clear cut better team than Golden State. And it's not as close as some might might imagine it to be. And I know Golden State won a championship last year, and I know they might get Andrew Wiggins back, and I know it's still Steph Curry in the playoffs. It's not like Golden State is invincible. We saw them lose a play into Memphis, and like not even the good Memphis team, like the eight-seed Memphis team that got smoked by Utah in the first round of the playoffs. Like This is not the invincible warrior team that we all imagine them being. Were they the second-best team in the West last year? Absolutely, they were the second best team in the West. And did Steph Curry put on an incredible performance in the finals against the Boston Celtics? Absolutely, Steph Curry did. It's not the same Warriors team, and they weren't a juggernaut last year. There is no statistical evidence that, or there's very little statistical evidence that, there's, rephrase, it is much more likely that the Sacramento Kings will win than the the Golden State Warriors, and statistical evidence throughout the season will back that up. Whether they play at Oakland, whether they play in Sacramento, whatever you want to call it, Sacramento is a better team than Golden State. Sacramento has been, well, since March 1st, Sacramento and the Lakers have been about the same net rating, so the Lakers might be another conversation, but Sacramento is better than the Warriors. They are better than the Lakers... Throughout the season, since March 1st, that's less clear-cut of a case. And everyone else, Sacramento should be able to beat. Memphis should be able to beat all of these teams. The John Morant circumstances permitting, and I said this when we first did our conversation with Morgan about John Morant, which is like, I don't know how obligated John Morant's employer is to his well-being in the long run. And he obviously came back after nine games, which was about what, I mean, I don't know the exact number I would have put it as, but like the timing of John Morant coming back is when I would expect like employer cares about your well-being and at the same time understand that they're your employer and have an incentive to get you back on the floor just as you have an incentive. It's all very interesting and complex and Memphis, regardless of whether there's Steven Adams there, as long as John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks are playing Memphis should be able to win a first round series after that I mean call it a gauntlet call it a a glob of teams in the western like Memphis is a second round exit they should be able to beat any of these first round opponents Sacramento should be able to beat any of these first round opponents once we get to potentially a final four of Denver Memphis Sacramento and Phoenix Hey man, I got no idea what's going to happen. I put on the record Denver's going to go 12 and 2 or 12 and 3 and win the Western Conference. I feel less confident about it. I'm not backing down from that pick cuz why would I <laughs> why would I go reverse when the playoffs haven't even happened yet on that prediction, but at the same time, we'll see what ends up happening once we get to those four. And I expect it to be those four regardless of how the West sifts out. I expect it to be those four teams, Denver, Memphis, Phoenix, and Sacramento in the the final eight in the Western Conference. We'll see what happens, though. We'll see what happens. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays, but probably not this week. Maybe this week. Stay tuned to find out. Leave a five-star review, a download. All of your support is always greatly appreciated, and we are getting ready for some basketball playoffs So you know we're going to have all the coverage, all the friends of the show joining us. We're going to have a golf show next week with Walter Mitchell. All of that good stuff is coming up. It's NFL draft season, so I'm sure we'll have a mock draft over the coming weeks. All that good stuff and more will be right here live on the Take It Easy podcast for your viewing and listening pleasure. So we'll talk to you guys again next week. Thanks for all of your support. Thanks for listening to my nerd stats and for always supporting our dreams. Take it easy, everybody. Aunt Lajaw score. The ball slipped out his hand. Cat and them boys. They won't give a damn. They cheer playing games like they just won the crown. Nothing can bring can bring Minnesota down. The Ant Man drives down. D D Low's got a kick. D Low's got a kick. Get out. The Ant Man's twenty one and no no nothing can break. You can't break him down. 12 views in the tank, bed flops like a plank, we got news for you baby and Edwards is the man, two years in the game, and he's a household name, we got news for you baby and Edwards is the man, when it comes to Wiggins, they never learned, and then Jimmy Butler, left all the kids burned, the only way they get talent, is the top of the draft Torian Prince and Malik Bees Lee the Ant-Man's 21 No, no, nothing can break You can't break him down 12 years in the tank Bev flops like a plank Got news for you baby and Edwards is the man Cat shot make it rain GM's affairs in the way Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man Twelve years in the tank Bev flops like a plank Got news for you baby and Edwards is the man Fifteen years away From headed to the Hall of Fame Got news for you baby And Edwards is the man
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.